This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Saturday edition of the podcast. We are part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. My name is Jason Kelly. I'm your host tonight. You can find me at Color of the Iris on Twitter. I come to you from Westwood, Massachusetts. Joining me on the show tonight, Hailing from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Terry Cushman. Terry, how's it going? <sighs> Can't wait to get into some deep dives. It's uh, it's our most random show of the week, so never know what topics we're gonna we're gonna hit from one week to the next. But we're getting crushed. But hey, we, we got baseball, right? We didn't have it all winter. That's true. Yeah. It's almost like careful what you wish for a little bit, right? (laughs) Uh, Also with us tonight from Denver, Colorado, by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, is Andrew Duan. What's up, Andrew? I'm powering through it, guys. We just watched the Red Sox get annihilated. Now the Patriots do weird things. I'll, I'll, I'll get a power through this one. (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah it's uh it's it's definitely not a fun week in new england sports that's for sure apart from the celtics i suppose um before i forget terry where can they find you on twitter at cushman mlb and the podcast account is at bastards underscore boston and andrew where can they find you at andrew Dwan mlb cool all right, well, let's get into some deep dives. Um, obviously, one of the biggest topics around this Red Sox team so far this season is the lack of offense. Um, it's just been brutal to watch. Uh, very little power output from this lineup. Um, the bottom half has been a complete joke. And the only silver lining, I guess, is that it's not just the Red Sox who are struggling offensively. The entire league is is struggling offensively. Power numbers are down across the league. And one of the reasons for this is a lot of the players are complaining about the deadened baseballs and complaining about the fact that even some pitchers are saying that MLB is using different kinds of baseballs in different situations in the game. Um, and we knew this was coming. The, the balls were juiced last year. And MLB decided that they didn't like that. They decided they were going to deaden the baseballs this season. But now offense is down and hitters are complaining. Even some pitchers are complaining. So my question to you two is, 
did Major League Baseball make a mistake by deadening the baseballs for this season? Terry, we'll start with you. I think the short answer is probably yes. And one of the problems here with Major League Baseball is they make really drastic changes really quickly and they don't look at at the consequences. Now I didn't like juice baseballs to begin with. I didn't like the product, you know, home runs went up. Yeah, sure. But so did strikeouts. And I've never been a fan of that all or nothing mentality. I I think launch angle in a way kind of ruined baseball a, a little bit. And now I think they've kind of overcompensated. So every park has the humidor now. So that's probably playing a role as well to some degree. But I just think they go from, from one extreme to the other. And if you look at the Red Sox games, especially with the rallies, they weren't relying on power at that point. They were literally stringing together hits. Kike Hernandez started, he basically stopped swinging for the fences. We saw Xander Bogart slapping some hits, getting himself on base. And I'd, I'd like to get back to that at some point, but it's just a mess right now. I Ultimately, just go back to 2016 baseballs and... And let's just hit the reset button. Yeah, almost like trying to find a middle ground between completely juiced and completely deadened in a way. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, how about you? Why are we even like debating this? We shouldn't have to wonder what kind of baseball we're using. This isn't picking through like the crappy little league youth play in like the coach's bag. Like, oh, I want a good baseball. No, it's a baseball. A baseball is a baseball is a baseball. Why are we messing with this? Why it worked for hundreds of years, and now we have to tighten it up. If there are a lot of pitchers in free agency, we have to juice it. If there are hitters in free agency, I don't get it. Like I didn't. I think it was Pete Alonso a couple of years ago that was like, uh, I think it was Alonso that threw out the conspiracy that they changed the ball depending on what players are or what position group is hitting free agency. And I didn't buy it. I thought that was a crock of crap, but he was right. (laughs) And last year we're playing with two different balls and uh, it was extremely noticeable. Why can't we just go in, have the, at the beginning of the year, have the players association reps be there, test them out. We have science for this, these sort of things. Like we have stat cast cameras all throughout the stadium. You can measure spin rate, you can measure exit velocity in a controlled setting. I, We shouldn't be guessing what they're hitting. And Will Middlebrooks came out the other day for anyone that didn't see it and said, I had a top five hitter in baseball text me the other day and said, Will, it's like hitting a rolled up pair of socks. Are you, are you serious right now? Like, who wants that? It, I, why are we messing with the sport that everyone holds so holy in like more than any other sport in that, you know, America's used to, we worry about records. We worried about integrity and the brass tax of it all is we're screwing with the baseballs. 
it doesn't make any sense to me. Rob Manfred could come sit with me and explain it to me for 30 minutes. And I would just look at him like he's got eight heads because there's no explanation at the end of the day as to why they're doing this. It's a baseball. Yeah. And, and you're so right in terms of for a sport that's so focused on analytics and is so analytics driven, couldn't they just, okay, get a set of analytics to figure out what the right kind of baseball is to use for all situations, like not just for, you know, not having to switch out different balls uh, during the game. Um, I find that really surprising that they just haven't come come together and go, let's just stick with this one type of baseball and just go with that going forward. Um, I don't know why they decide to change it in the first place. And now you're seeing it now, guys who, you know, realistically had just warning track power and maybe hit 28 home runs last year are going to have like 12 this year. And then the players are going to get upset. And it's just, I just wonder if more and more players just start to complain about not getting the money that they deserve. Is baseball just going to go right back again? They're going to overcorrect and choose the balls again. And really quick, like you've got to be pissed off if you're a front front office guy. Like, who am I signing? Am I going to sign this guy, like you said, to hit 25 home runs, or he's going to hit 14? I'm. I have a certain amount of accounting stats that I'm going into the year. I'm like, all right, we need 275 home runs. Can I get that 13, that extra 13 I'm expecting out of my right fielder? Or am I screwed here? It, I, I would be ripping out my hair and just livid if I was, uh, you know, signing a guy to a, a fairly large contract. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't add, it just doesn't add up. A, a weird example, and and this is more pitching, but the Yankees signed Spider Tack Garrett Cole to three twenty four. Now he doesn't have it. He's and he's not nearly the the guy he was so they kind of got burnt uh based on a a previous trend that mlb kind of looked the other way and but to me what's also disturbing though is i think players are still locked into that all or nothing mentality i mean you, you they've been dumbing the game down for a while now like guys aren't bunting against the shift when the generation before this would have easily solved that, but this generation can't do it. So you're seeing more shifts. And I just, I think they MLB, if they were smart, they would, they would put more emphasis on hitting and get away from, get away from the home run. I mean, bunting we've seen Bradley do it uh this series and they've been moving the runners over quite a bit this year the Red Sox have playing a little bit of small ball and that's almost refreshing and I want to see more of that I want to see more base runners I want to see more stressful innings for opposing pitchers and Ken Rosenthal brought this up and and you guys know me. I'm probably maybe other than Charlie, I'm the biggest purist on this crew. I hate radical changes. I'm just now kind of warming up to the pitch clock. It's taken me five or six years to get there, but now I'm like, okay, I don't know how I feel about banning the shift. I really don't. But Ken Rosenthal last year brought up an idea and for about 30 seconds, I hated it. 
And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, this could help. This could help. And I don't know if it was originally Ken's idea or, you know, or if he got it from someone else. But instead of going to extra innings, give the win to the team that has the most hits. So if they're tied after nine, the team that that's got the most hits wins the game. It's a tiebreaker. That's extremely radical. And I, I think there would be riots at first. But I think it could change the game. I really do for the better. And home runs are never going away, but it's not fun to watch guys strike out left and right, you know, 200 times a year. I hate that as much as anything. I think the the only one of the only issues that, that I have with that Rosenthal idea is so, okay, you, you award extra innings wins to the team with the most hits. Sure, that will deter teams from going after launch angle guys, but I could see Billy Bean just putting together an entire Oakland Athletics lineup of like nine Tony Kemp's, <laughs> just, just slappy hitters who just slap the ball, you know, the other way and just somehow get on base. And that's not really fun to watch either. Um, so, but I, let me ask you, Terry, like, do you think if the baseballs stay the way they are, that hitters will adapt to it and they'll start going, okay, maybe instead of trying to pull the ball 450 feet, because I can't do that. Let me hit that fastball the other way and try to shoot it into the gap instead. In a perfect world, that's what I, I hope would happen. But the, the other thing too here is the pitchers are winning. Like they're, they're winning the battle against the hitters. And it's hilarious because they just had their substances taken away and they're still winning. And I think analytics plays a big part of that. You know, this guy can't hit this part of the zone. He's hitting, you know, 130, uh, you know, on the upper outer quadrant and, and all that. So I think pitchers can can really exploit that. But I think if if guys start, you know, they, there would probably be a lot of singles, like you said, if, if they're slapping the ball. I think the I think the hitters can kind of take some of it away from the pitchers there, and and then maybe after a while, you you do start to evolve into some power things. Home runs aren't going away. Devers is still going to be swinging for the fences at times, and, and all that. But I just th that's just one way to to make the game a little bit more exciting. I think, let, let me ask you guys this. Would you rather have a Pete Rose or, or a Tony Gwynn type, or would you rather have bonds or McGuire? What's more exciting? What's going to help you win a championship? I mean, I would, well, I'd rather have bonds in his prime because he was in his prime. He was the best five tool player in baseball. But if you're talking like just raw power without much to offer, like what much else to offer, like McGuire versus like a Tony Gwynn, I'd rather have Tony Gwynn. <laughs> so it, like, I, I think if you get the unicorn that is Barry Bonds who can do everything, sure. But if it comes down to like, yeah, just a meathead who hits home runs versus an all rounder like Tony Gwynn. Yeah. I'd rather have Gwynn. When it comes to approach, I, I, the, the betters can't just do this on the fly. We have pitchers that go to driveline uh, Academy all off season. They're 
going to Cressy. You know, these guys are adding velocity and they're doing things with the baseball, even without substances that aren't designed to be hit. They're throwing 98 miles an hour because they know they only have to throw five innings and they're giving max effort and the drop and of um, just the amount of break on these pitches. It's, this isn't what hitters were designed to do. Hitters can't go. There's no driveline. There's no Cressy for hitters. You know, it's still pretty archaic. What do you, you, there's not much you can do to change how you have to approach a Corbin Burns slider and a fastball overlay. It just isn't there. I, before this season, and he doesn't, he's done it each of the last couple of years. Um, Theo's gone on, I think it was the Athletics pod, and it's talked about rule changes. And I think something's going to have to be done with the mound. I don't know if they're going to have to move it back six inches because they didn't notice any arm injuries. There was no added toll to the arm with it. But the break is happening where you can adjust. So I'm not too sure what you got to do, but I don't take advantages away from the hitters at this point. No one wants this. Yeah, and, and I would largely agree with that because a baseball product that is dominated by pitching, I mean, for you know pitching enthusiasts, that's great. But for an overall viewing product, it's not because you're just going to have a lot of two-to-one games, a lot of just, you know, not a lot of offense being produced. And offense is what, you know, it, it's what people want to watch. It's what gets them excited. You know, a, a triple down the line, is way more exciting to me at least than a pitcher striking out the side. So I agree. I, I don't want them completely taking advantages away from hitters, but um, at the same time, I don't want every, you know, Christian Vasquez hitting 25 home runs. That's, I, I don't think that's right either. So they, they there's gotta be a balance somehow that they can strike where it, it benefits both. But so far they just haven't gotten there yet. Um, so any any final thoughts on that one? I I think I'm good. Stop okay. messing with the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, in terms of hitters that need advantages or or need some help, uh we've got quite a few on the Red Sox who who need a lot of help, particularly in the bottom of the lineup, but I want to focus on first base because we've got this kid named Tristan Casas in case you haven't heard of him who everyone keeps bringing up, especially now, because Bobby Dahlbeck is off to a really horrific start at the plate. Uh, He's been great defensively, but at the plate, he looks lost. He's striking out a ton. He only has one home run on the season. Um, And naturally, because the team is struggling as well, a lot of people are calling for Tristan Casas to be brought up from Worcester and to be your starting first baseman relatively soon. So my question to you two is, is it too soon for the Red Sox to call up Tristan Casas? And if you believe it is too soon, then what is your solution for first base? Uh, Andrew, let's start with you. So unfortunately, I'm going with yes. I don't think it's the time. And the reason I don't think it's the time is because it would loft very unfair expectations onto uh, onto Tristan at this point. He'd be making his major league debut on a team where fans would expect him to be the savior. 
And that's not fair. This isn't Bobby Witt. This isn't uh, Rodriguez. This isn't Adley Rushman. You know, he he's a good, he's a really good player. But the expectations that you be just immediately saddling him with would be just unfair to him. Now, if it was Bobby Dahlbeck producing or not producing like he is currently, but the team was 500, game above 500, I'd say yes. Bring him up. Everyone's hitting. This is a good time to integrate him into the lineup. You left him against, you rest him against lefties. You give Dahlbeck against those, you know, those tough guys. And you're at a 50 50, uh, you know, platoon. I don't think you're setting him up for long term success if you bring him right up right now. And that sucks because I think he could probably handle the majors. But I think a smarter decision right now, god damn, is Franchi. They need to do something at first base. And Dahlbeck is floundering right now. He has no confidence. You can see it in his eyes when he gets up. It, it's just not there. This is what happened last season, and it took a couple hits to the opposite field hard against the Twins that kind of got him going. But we haven't seen that yet. Travis Shaw, I'm not doing a third week in a row on this. No one wants to hear that. It, it's just not it, – it, it's not a thing anymore. I bring up Franchi. Let the team get it together. Then bring up Tristan, in my opinion. Hey, Terry? Something needs to happen fast. And, you know, within the next handful of days, I feel like first base is just – it's a black hole right now. And – I keep hoping Bobby will get it together. I mean, he, he was two for four in the first Toronto game, and you're, you're kind of hoping, okay, maybe maybe there's a spark that's going to, you know, carry him upwards. But then he went over for the rest of the series. And your only option is Travis Shaw, and he's over the world right now, literally. No hits, no walks. I'd be willing to try Franchi like Andrew said, but I'd be willing to call Tristan up. I mean, you got to do something fast, like not doing anything could, could cost you the season. It really could. And maybe, maybe Casas is the guy the team wants. And I was saying in the last show, this, this team has no balls and Casas, he loves to, he loves to talk shit. He did it right on the very day he was drafted. He was like, I can't wait. I hate the Yankees, and I can't wait to be a part of this rivalry. And I think – I don't know if he's going to be the best player over the course of the next six to eight years, but I do think he's going to be the face of the franchise. We don't have a face of the franchise yet. Bogart's great player, but he's very quiet, very reserved. Devers – you know, his English isn't his first language, so he's not super outspoken. You know, he's not going to give you that that scorching post-game interview. We really don't have – Verdugo's a guy, but, I mean, he doesn't really produce. I want to see what type of energy this team has with a guy like Casas up here, and I'm willing to do it. Okay. I so you're you're pro Casas, Andrew. You're against Casas. I kind of lean more towards Andrew's side of the street here. I I don't love the idea of rushing up 
Tristan Casas and and putting this much pressure on him again, mostly because the team is struggling, right? If, if the team was hitting and they were at least, you know, five hundred or close to over five hundred, then sure, you know, then you can blend in and it's it's not as much pressure. But when they're going like this, I just don't love the idea of rushing him up here and, and putting all that on his shoulders. Would either of you be open to trading for like a Will Myers? You know, maybe doing something like that, or is it just either Franchi or Tristan or Bust? Really? Uh, well, if you look at it in a world full of irony, Eric Hosmer is leading the league in hitting. I think he was hitting like four twenty day or something absurd. Yeah, um, it's kind of nuts what Eric Hosmer is doing out in San Diego, and. Um, he could have been had for with uh, getting some prospects back in return. And I don't think anyone wanted to really do it, but it's kind of funny. I don't think San Diego's going to give up that offense. I think it might come down to the May cuts and trying to pick up from the scrap heaps there. Honestly, I don't think we should expect that big of a name. How is San Diego's bullpen right now? Cause we have a surplus especially with lefties. So I, I think a, a deal could get struck. I'm looking at Myers right now. What is he hitting? Well, he's hitting 218, but that's very studly, you know, compared to what uh, what we have. No homers yet on the year, but change of scenery could uh, could bring a spark. I don't. I think the, the Padres are probably more inclined to keep Osmer at this point and just kind of ride that wave. Uh, I'm so glad the Red Sox, because so many Red Sox fans wanted him that offseason. We ended up with Moreland, and I was mad about Moreland. I didn't want Hosmer, but Moreland worked out okay. Here's another scenario. Let me throw this out there, and this is probably an Andrew question. What about David Hamilton? I know he's only in double A, but the dude has been fire. He's not He's not really heralded as this, this future stud. Why not bring him up here and see if he can ignite some spark? He's not ready. That's not a guy. I, they value minor league experience way too much uh, to bring him up, uh, unfortunately. What does he play? I probably should ask. He's a super utility guy, essentially. So second, short, third. He he can't play outfield? Uh, I'm sure he could. I okay. don't have it in front of me, but all yeah, right. he's kind of your all over guy. Yeah. Well, so then, you know, Bradley, like I said, 0 for 15 in the previous show. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm an outside the box guy and I'm willing to, to try stuff and you could always send him down. I mean, he's not a guy we're really counting on. He's probably trade capital. He also, he's not on the 40 either. So you have oh, to make some corresponding true. moves. Yeah. Actually, yeah, and actually, since you mentioned that, if we did trade for a, a Will Myers, like Jason's example, what position player gets kicked off at the top of your head? Oh, Russ Snyder. I just, oh. Well, Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw. Yeah, Travis okay. Shaw, number one. Yeah, Travis Shaw, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, he's not a human being in my eyes, right? <laughs> so he doesn't count. All right, true. I, I guess I was thinking of uh, like a potential prospect getting kicked off, but yeah, so it would be – it would be Shaw, if not Ref Snyder. Ref Snyder has a hit, so, I mean, you can't DFA him or or whatever. But, uh, yeah, 
I they got to do something fast. If Travis Shaw is in this line, what's today? So for the audience, it's Saturday. If Thursday comes around and Travis Shaw is in this lineup, I, I'm going to lose my you-know-what. Yeah, that can't happen. I it, I agree. They need to make a move. I'm I'm okay with the Franchi idea. Um, like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not ready to rush Casas up here, so I'm okay with that. I'm okay if they call San Diego about Will Myers. Just say, hey, what's it going to take? If it takes too much, then fine. Yeah, you, you hang up the phone and you deal with it that way. But I agree, something's got to be done um, because right now your production at first base is laughably bad. So. Um, so I think that's it. Unless you guys have any final thoughts. Oh man, I've been fired up these last couple shows. I think I'm good. Take all the new, all the new baseballs and Travis Shaw and throw them into like the Boston Harbor. I just put them into cement and I just never want to see any of those again. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And Hopefully things will turn around in the month of May as the uh, as the calendar turns over, but we will see. Um, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will be back in a couple of days for the Baltimore series wrap-up. So until then, take care.